0: It is a wonderful day where we get to celebrate the mothers in our lives, the mothers that maybe uh, are with us today and maybe are mothers that we can still celebrate that have gone on before us, those of us that are mothers, I'm not a mother, but those of us that are mothers get to to celebrate time with their children or they uh, get to think about wonderful uh, times that they had with their children. Mother's Day is a day of reunion, and there can be nothing more joyful as you see this video of this mother that's reunited with her child. Reunion. It's a beautiful thing, and I think that that displayed how beautiful it is when you see someone you love so much who you haven't seen in a while. Mother's Day is a beautiful day for that. I got to go uh, to North Texas. My, my nephew was graduating from the University of North Texas yesterday, and my family was there. We all got to have a, re- a reunion together, time together, a, a lunch together, and then, and then time to congratulate my nephew on his accomplishment of graduating from college. And it was wonderful to be with my mother and my father and my sister and my brother Reunion is a beautiful thing. And yet, today might be a day that you're not feeling reunited. Today could be a day that you're feeling separation. As I look into this congregation, I see many different people that were once here and they're no longer here. I believe they're here in spirit. There's people's mothers that, 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 that uh, were once here and they're no longer here. And this separation is hard. And I, I remember back in fifth grade, I was uh, at my brother's Air Force graduation. And we were up at, they, they, had a, they had a church on base after the graduation. And we were at church and, and my family was with my brother and, and everyone was happy after he had gone through his boot camp. And then I see this guy. He was from New York, and I knew it because of his accent. And he sees my mother, and he says, Excuse me, ma'am. I don't know how to do a New York accent. (laughs) But you look so much like my mother. Can I give you a hug? At the time, I thought that was kind of weird. But this young 18, 19, 20-year-old guy had been through it in boot camp. He's separated from his mother and just someone that looks like his mother. He wanted to embrace her. He wanted to have that reunion. Being reunited with the ones we love. John, the apostle, has written us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We talked about that. He's written us these letters to the church as he was an elder in the church. He taught us how to, how, how to have life through Christ. He told us how that Jesus was the light and for us to walk in the light. He taught us to love others like Jesus loved. And then later in life, he's going to teach us about reunion with Jesus. Being reunited with the creator of this world. See, when John first started following Jesus, he had this vision of always being with Jesus physically, and he wanted to be with Jesus as Jesus starts his kingdom on this earth, and and he he asked Jesus that if he could sit on his right-hand side, and his brother can sit on his left-hand side, and Jesus tells him in Mark chapter 10, verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. And then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. Jesus is telling these brothers, these apostles, James and John, and we've talked about that as we've talked about the apostles, he's telling them, you are going to go through this bitter cup, this baptism of suffering. And we see that happen to James. James is publicly executed for proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Herod executes him, beheads him. But the scriptures don't tell us whatever happens to John. It might allude to a couple of things, but it never tells us, well, what what was John's final destination in this life? What's interesting is, if you go to John chapter 21, in John chapter 21, verse 22, Peter is just just finished talking to Jesus. And Jesus tells Peter that he's going to go through some rough times. And so Peter looks at Jesus and he says, well, what about him? And he points to John. What about him? Is he, is he going to have to go through the same tough times that I'm going to have to go through? Jesus says in verse 22, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that, the discip- that this disciple, which is John, would not die, but Jesus did not say to him he would not die. He only said to him, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And so these rumors start spreading around about John, that John is going to live forever. And this is not in Scripture, but it is in church history, and it's actually in, in pretty credible church history, of what happened to the Apostle John over time. One of the reasons these rumors spread, because as all the apostles were giving their life for the gospel, John remained alive. John continued to spread the good news. John continued to be an elder in the church. And what historians would tell us is that John moved over to Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he was an elder there. And he would preach the good news of Jesus Christ, but there was an emperor that did not want John to be there, Emperor Domitian. And while John was in Ephesus, Emperor Domitian would would, would tell John, stop speaking the good news. John would never be silent. And so Domitian had him set to be executed. What you see up there is, uh, is a picture from my time in Ephesus. On, on, the, on, the, on the right-hand side, you see Domitian's temple, a temple that was built to worship him because Domitian's one of the first emperors that considered themselves God. And the funny story, on the left-hand side, there's this weird-looking statue or, or, or looks like just a jumbled-up piece of, uh, uh, of rocks. And that was a statue that Domitian wanted people to build in his honor, and so the builder of that just decided to build the ugliest statue he could, and it's called the Ugly Statue to this day. And it just sits right outside of Domitian's temple. They didn't like Domitian because Domitian was evil. And Domitian decided to silence John. He was going to execute him, and and what the church historians would say was that John was put into boiling oil to be killed. And this is what uh, some people, so, so, some, some uh, historians would say that, that uh, when Jesus told them, are you willing to be baptized into the baptism of my suffering? This is what, Je- what Jesus was referring to. And as John is in this boiling oil, what they say is it, it didn't hurt him. He continued to proclaim the good news and it, and it gave an illusion, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were put in the fiery furnace. So Domitian decides that he can't kill John and he survived that execution so he just sends him off to Patmos. He was exiled. And while being exiled on Patmos, he receives this revelation from God. He receives what it's going to be like to be reunited with his creator, with his Lord. After Domitian dies, he goes back to Ephesus. And if you look at this right here, this is where they they they, they claim. I don't know if it's if it's it's a fact or or not. You can go move to the next slide. That's where they say John's tomb is. It's one of the earliest churches that has ever been that, that's that's ever been built. It's the ruins of that, and that was the tomb where John died peacefully after living. 90 plus years, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But before he came back from Ephesus, while he was on the Isle of Patmos, he receives this incredible revelation. And Revelation is such an interesting book. It's a book that's hard for us to uh, to to read because it's a lot of figurative language, there's a lot of imagery, and because of that, because of, of, of the figurative language, people can either say that we don't want this in, in, as part of the Bible, and, and several people have tried to take it to where it wasn't biblical canon, and then other people just say it's just too difficult to understand, so, so they stay away from it altogether. And then other people decide that everything must fit into Revelation, and so they start making up all sorts of things. They, they, see, they see today's world and what's happening in today's world. This is obviously what Revelation is talking about, and there you get things like, y'all remember 2012, where people said the Mayan calendar is ending, and so it's the end of the world, and it says it all in Revelation. We apply a whole lot to Revelation that might not really be in there. Revelation has a lot that it's talking about, but it mainly talks about just a few things. It's there to tell us that God is in control. It's here to tell us that God sees our suffering. It's here to tell us that God gives us a solution to our problems. And it's here to show us that God is going to reunite His people with himself. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. In Revelation 1, verse 7, it says, Look, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people of earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who was, who is, and who is to come, the almighty. John starts off this this letter to, to, to the Christians and to us today to show us that just as Jesus ascended off into the heavens, he will return in the same way. And it shows us that Jesus is in full control, that Jesus is coming. And he's not just a creator of the past. He's that and much more. He's the past. He's the present. He's the future. And our life is found in him. And then John wants us to understand. He knows what we're going through. As he's on, as he's on the island of Patmos and, and he's, he's in this exile, as he's gone through suffering for, for, for the Lord, he says, I, John, your companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John understands the suffering we're going through. And Jesus understands the suffering we're going through. Jesus understands the hard times that we're going through. And that's one of the beauty, uh, that's the beauty of this book is it tells us that God understands, he hears us. And he's going to help us. And so John decides to pull back this curtain of heaven so that we can understand where this suffering truly comes from. What's causing our pain on this earth? What's causing our sorrow? What's causing our division with our God, with our Creator? If you go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, John takes us back in time. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Here John tells us what this dragon was this figurative language that he's using it's talking about satan and at some point satan had this 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 position in heaven where he could sit there and accuse us of our sins we'll see that in the in the in the book of job but he's lost this place of heaven and he's he's been sent to the earth and now what does he do he wanders the earth and he tries to lead us astray he tries to pull us away from our god He tries to make it so we stay separated from our God instead of this reunion that God wants. Later on in Revelation, John will tell us that Satan is chained in this earth. He doesn't have full power over you, but he does have influence in this world. And in verse 17 of chapter 12, it says, then the dragon, which is Satan was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. What this tells us in Revelation is that we have forces that are working against us, people that are they're, they're these spirits, the, 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 the Satan is working against us, trying to lead us astray. He's trying to devour us, trying to ruin relationships between God's people, trying to ruin relationships and keep separation between God's people and God. We do have struggles. So what's God doing about that? What's He doing about the struggles that we have, the the trials that we have, the suffering that we're going through? I think God shows us How he answers, gives an answer for our suffering. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, it says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. Their testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of this earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little while longer until the full number of their servants, their brothers and sisters, had come in. One of the things we see about this is is, is these saints that are up in heaven, that have gone on before us, that 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 have suffered for the gospel, are crying out to God, how much longer until you provide justice to this earth? Because that's what we love about God. God is going to provide justice for the evil in this world. How much longer? And what does God do? He says, just a little while more. We see God's in full control he has full judgment. he can he can cast full judgment over the evils of this world but he also offers patience that's a good thing for me i think it's a good thing for you that god is patient with us he doesn't cast down judgment immediately he wants us to come back to him he wants us to be reunited with him but he does something for the people he offers comfort. And he gives them these white robes. And in my mind, I think about any time if, if you've ever visited a fancy hotel or something, sometimes they have these big terry cloth robes that they give you. And I think that represents the comfort. And that's the comfort that the Spirit provides us as we're suffering. And when we cry out to God, God is going to give us comfort. And he says, just hold on. And that's such an important thing in Revelation is to hold on. He opens this curtain in heaven and we get to see what's going on in the throne room of God and one of the things that we see in Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 is these living creatures and they're circling the throne and it says nonstop, they're saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come and they're singing and, and, and we probably all have this vision of heaven that looks like that. Singing and angels and everything's going on but what's beautiful is this one story that he shows us of what's happening in heaven. And in Revelation chapter 8, it says, there was silence in heaven. Silence for about a half an hour. And I saw as the seven angels who were standing before God, the seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people. And on the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire with the altar and hurled it down to the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. This is one of my favorite stories that comes from John's Revelation. Revelation. As he sees what happens when God's people pray to him. With everything that's going around in heaven and and, and all the singing and all the flying around of creatures and all the angels and and whatever we might have in our mind that's happening in heaven, he says there's silence in heaven. Why is there silence? Because God's people are praying to him. If you haven't looked at our prayer list lately, there's a lot of prayers on there. And God is hearing these prayers. And I love the imagery that John provides us. It says that it's silent. And then smoke fills the room. And why is smoke filling the room? I think because I don't, God doesn't want any other distraction. But to hear our prayers... And it isn't that God just hears our prayers, but God answers our prayers. And that's why you see how the angel sends down the, 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 this fire from heaven, this, this lightning and rumbles of thunder. And it's, saying, it's showing us God answers the prayers of his people. He knows that we're going through tough times. When we cry out how long God is going to answer us. He's going to give us comfort as we go through the struggles And just as God's patient, sometimes we need to learn a little bit of patience. But then, when we look around this world and how broken it seems, we struggle. How are we going to get through this? How are we actually going to be reunited with God? And John takes us to the throne room of God again in Revelation chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 2, it says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the scroll, the seals, and open the scroll? What is the scroll that the angel's talking about? I think this is God's plan of reuniting with his people. God had a plan from the beginning that he wanted to be with his people, and, and this angel is saying, Who's worthy to fulfill this plan? And they look around this throne room of heaven, it says, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. John realizes the helplessness, and that's sometimes the helplessness that we feel in this world. How are we going to get through this? How are we going to be reunited with our God, with our loved ones? It says in verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. I think what we're seeing here is right after Jesus' crucifixion. John's getting to see what it looked like in heaven as Jesus goes into heaven triumphantly as this lamb that was slain, as this perfect offering on our behalf. Why does Jesus do this? So we can be reunited with him. So that we can have life as it was always meant to be. In verse 6 it says, Then I saw the lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the living creatures, and the elders. Then it says in verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain with your blood. You purchased for, for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. What we see here is Jesus coming in there, and now he opens it up for God's people, anyone that wants to give their lives to him, anyone that wants to accept Jesus' payment for our sins. We have the right to be reunited with him. And next week, we're going to talk about what that looks like to be reunited with God, what it looks like for us to live on this earth, with our Lord and it might look a little different than what we what we what we uh, have in our minds but it's going to be an incredible thing so I encourage you to come next week for that but right now we can look at this and we see that Jesus paid a penalty for us he's offering us to be reunited with him he doesn't want us to be separated from him and he's given us Jesus Christ as payment for our sins And you can accept that payment today. You can be baptized into him. You can have your sins washed away. You can can go into the the tomb uh, uh, like Jesus went into and, and come out of the water like Jesus came out of the tomb. And you can live forever. You can live in eternity and you can be reunited with our Lord and with all of his people that have gone on before us. If you need to be reunited with him or if you need the prayers of the church, please come while we stand and sing.